Hello, everybody, and welcome to our pastor's podcast, You Asked. Here in the room with us today are pastors Chris, Eddie, and I am Pastor Justin. We're going over this question that was texted in last Sunday, which is, they had no weapons around Jericho, so what were the people of Joshua 6, 7, and 6, 9 armed with? We discussed this a bit at the end of the sermon on Sunday, uh, but Pastor Chris, you were the one to preach. Could you uh, give a little context regarding that question? Yeah, a few things. I mean, one would be, um, I was thinking from the narrative standpoint of following the context of Hebrews 11, which is going through, they came out of the Exodus, obviously, out of Egypt. Um, they hit the Red Sea, they went through the Jordan, they came to Jericho, um, taking the narrative of, of slaves uh, with no battle training or anything else. Um, and obviously the point of having them walk around, march around the, uh, the walls and with the ark and then shout and the walls fall down. The whole point of that was to, to make it obvious that this was all God's, um, God's doing and not man's. And, uh, and God was the one going to take them through. And obviously the point of Hebrews 11 was takes great faith uh, just to believe that God can do the miraculous. And, um, and so... That was kind of my point. I did say um, that they didn't have any weapons. Uh, the point, the passages in Joshua there uh, clearly indicate that some were armed. Uh, matter of fact, Eddie, what was it back in uh, Joshua? Joshua chapter 4, it says that two and a half tribes were armed, right. but so, the others were not. Right, so the vast majority of 12 tribes, the vast majority did not have weapons, but a few of them did. Uh, some think it was in the front of the ark and behind the ark, kind of as a, or front of the group and back of the group. Um, so... So I was incorrect in saying that nobody had any, uh, some did have them, but, but, but the vast majority did not. Yeah, but it's, it's a good question, and this, this kind of thing is exactly what uh, the Berean church yep. was encouraged and praised for, as they were searching the scriptures daily. Um, and so we are, um, and we, we have the Q&A made available for this very reason, to search the scriptures and see are these things being said, um, are they true, are they such? And uh, so it's, it's a great question, and thank you for um, submitting that. We did have another question that gets towards um, kind of some practical application of life and trying to see there are some things that happen in the Old Testament and we just kind of wonder, does God still work in that way today? And so the question that came in that we will continue discussing with the rest of our time is this, crossing the Red Sea and bringing down walls are big miraculous things. Does God still do things this big and this miraculous today? Yeah, and so we have to understand that God is not limited to, um, to narrative in the scriptures. He's not limited to a time period. It's not like God did miraculous things in one period of time and doesn't do them anymore. Um, you know, we can argue about the the gifts that God may give to certain individuals if those have ceased and such. But to ask, but to assume if God does miracles or not, like He did in the Old Testament, is God does do those things. Um, I know of having read many missionary biographies and gone through those, I've seen quite a few, read quite a few, so I've not seen, but read quite a few. Um, miraculous events have taken place, especially in third world countries and places that are remote, and seeing God kind of overcome a lot of uh, demonic forces and darkness that's there. And um, I've witnessed things when I was in Los Angeles and uh, in terms of church planting on a few occasions of things that were quite miraculous that took place that I can't explain. Um, so I, I would say, yeah, God does that. Um, I think he's made it clear, though, that his means of, of getting the gospel out and transforming people is through the gospel. You go to Romans 10, it talks about being, you know, how will they hear if, if not someone is sent? 
if someone doesn't preach the gospel. And so that is the that is God's means, as Jesus said in Matthew 28, you know, go into all the world and preach the gospel, uh, not necessarily go into all the world and watch me do miracles. Um, but God, but that is, we have to also qualify what's a miracle here, right? It's pretty miraculous uh, when someone's life is changed and someone's heart's turned from stone, um, you know, to, to a heart of flesh when it's transformed from, you know, um, someone who's heading to hell to someone heading to heaven. That's a, that's a miraculous transformation that God does. So, um, so we also have, also have to understand our kind of definition of that. Sure. Pastor Eddie, how would you speak to that question? I'd say that we, um, we need to look for those things that God is doing that often that we kind of rationalize away the moments that God does work in kind of miraculous ways where it's like, oh, well, you know, the doctors did a, a really great job in helping, you know, provide medication or medical services. And I think we don't stop to actually look and realize, no, like God's hand was in that. Yeah, he might have used means that we can, um, in our kind of modern Western eyes, think of as uh, more logical, more man-driven ways of bringing about something miraculous. Um, but really that's in part a kind of a lack of faith of us just stopping and saying it and going, no, like God, you worked through that. God used that. Um, and I think the other part of it is, is, yeah, he does still do really big things. Again, I just don't think we're looking for them. I don't think we're recognizing them. Um, I was reading a quote this morning it was in 1958 that the Chinese government said that Christianity is officially dead and pushed into the halls of a museum. And today they just said that they estimate there's over 70 million Christians active in China. That's miraculous to me. I mean, that's the same level of, of a Red Sea type of moment where, you know, a government is actively trying to you know, destroy Christians and not allow them to worship. And all of that, God has brought around 70 million who are currently active and working. To me, like, that that's the same thing. We're just, we don't see it as God's hand, as God's working. Yeah, I think one of the things that can be challenging on this is you can read in the Old Testament, this happened. You can hear in China that happened. You can read a missionary biography that says, you know, in New Zealand, this happened, but it feels like in America we don't see this kind of direct intervention from God, um, and maybe that's a problem with our sight. And I think that's a little bit of the point you guys were making. But can you can you kind of speak to that a little bit more? Of you know, you hear a missionary story where there were angels appearing all around, and like I haven't seen any angels. I don't think anybody in the room has seen angels carrying torches, you know, um, that kind of stuff. I, I've not experienced a, a donkey talking to me. I've not, I've not seen the White River stand up on its edge. Um, I don't think we want the White, white River to stand Yeah, I don't think we want that either. The bottom of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, we've seen it. Um, so I mean, seen, like, look at Hannah Bradley. Yeah. I mean, that what God did in her life is nothing short of a pure miracle and just hearing the faith that the Bradleys speak of during that moment I think there's 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 that there's that happening there yeah I, I think I think if, if you want to see God do the miraculous then you've got to be on mission you got to be on the front yeah, lines yeah 
that's where it happens. I mean, that's where God does crazy things in terms of when you're pressing against the kingdom of darkness with the gospel, mm-hmm. and there's there's opposition that comes back, and God intervenes. Yeah, there, you start seeing those. Like I said, I saw that kind of stuff in Los Angeles. I was in a very dark area, and uh, you know, it was it was not uncommon to see those kind of things. And so, uh, you know, we're living in Midwest suburb area and we're kind of comfortable lives and we're just kind of going about our business and not really engaging people very much. And it's like, yeah, I don't, what, what is there miraculous for God, for God to necessarily do? There's yeah. No, comfort often. kind of puts like these spiritual sunglasses on that. It's difficult to really see God working in the miraculous. Like yeah. we're just not as aware of it because we're too comfortable. Yeah, I mean, when did Jesus say he would be with us? It's right after that Great Commission. As we are going, that's where we're going to see his you. presence, his power with us. Um, you know, we see it all the time. You saw, I mean, Chris Boyd gave the testimony this Sunday when he pushed out of his comfort zone and brought a relative into, into his home. And, you know, seeing God work in that way, he's like, whoa, this is crazy. Yeah, exactly. And it's because we're pushing outside of our comfort zone. And that's just where you're going to see God actively at work when you're on mission. Well, look at the account with the Red Sea. I mean, when does that actually happen? It's when God has pushed the people of Israel all the way up to the sea. They, the, the Egyptians are, are coming. They can see the kind of cloud of smoke rising from the chariot wheels. And it's not until that like very last moment that he provides the path through the Red Sea. You know, it's not like they knew that's how God was going to deliver them. It's in that moment of total reliance upon the Lord that you see that miraculous event where he leads them out of it. Yeah, and I'll qualify this, and we'll, we'll talk about this on Sunday, but just as we talk about this subject, that sometimes I think people can fall into the, um, you know, that we talk about these stories of the Hannah Bradleys and those kind of things, like, you're like, wow, that was miraculous, that's awesome. Like, But also we need to understand that part of God's activity and work is also God not performing a miracle. Me, we're talking about having this whole series talking about having faith in God. Well, we can't, we can't have faith in our agenda for God. We need to have a faith in God. Our agenda for God is a lot of times like I get healed and I don't get sick and this goes away and my kids love the Lord and this is my agenda. This is what I want and this is maybe good things that I want. But I can't say that if God doesn't perform these things or do these things that I want, that therefore God has failed. Um, and so we're going to see that this, this Sunday, Hebrews 11, that there were some people who trusted God and, you know, the lion's mouth shut. Mm-hmm. And there's some people who trusted God and they got sawn in half. Yeah. I mean, it's, they're, they're the same, they're one verse after each other. Um, and so it's, um, we just can't have faith in our agenda for God. We need to have faith in him himself. Yeah, that makes me think of, um, of Bob Mara. I mean, we prayed for years for healing and God didn't, God didn't bring it. But through all of that, I mean, Bob gave incredible testimony to God. And you saw his faith increase and really the faith of others increase, even though, you know, we had kind of hoped for this miraculous event of Bob's healing and God didn't bring that. Um, But God's glory shone probably even brighter because the miraculous didn't happen. Yeah, those are all good points. Um, Pastor Chris, you talked about we see the miraculous um, kind of the front lines of God's work. And and Pastor Eddie, you mentioned that sometimes in the suburbs it can feel like we're not so much on the front lines. can feel like, hey, we give our money so that somebody can go to Papua New Guinea where, you know, we're actually storming the gates of hell. Or we give it to this 
urban LA ministry, um, but there are lost and hurting people all over the suburbs. As we kind of wrap up here, what, what are one or two ways that we can um, see Brownsburg and Hendricks County as the front lines of um, storming the gates of hell and, and reaching the lost here? Like, what, what does that practically look like? Because it's easy to see what that looks like in a, where there's more physical needs. That's easy for us to see. What does that look like here in Brownsburg? Well, I think it starts with, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. I mean, one is frequenting the same locations over and over again, get to know people at those places, whether it's a coffee shop, whether it's wherever. I'm going to go here and I'm going to be purposeful in terms of engaging people because people have patterns. If you want to meet unbelievers, um, you just go to the same places over and over again and be intentional about it and interact with people. Um, you know, finding something that you enjoy doing, you know, hobby-wise, whatever it may be. Um, and finding groups of people that do that as well and go, go be a part of them. But you have to be careful of the whole, um, you know, Christian, I need to do everything with Christians, right? So if I enjoy basketball, then I'm going to go play basketball with Christians. Like, well, go, go join, I don't know, the YMCA or something and play, play ball out there or go, go somewhere where you can be around unbelievers and do something maybe you enjoy doing. If you like, you know, playing board games. I mean, I don't know if you like sewing or you like camping for example which i don't understand why but if you like camping you know it's like well go f- find people that like to go fishing or something and i don't know just you got you got to find There's things that you enjoy doing and it's not that hard it's yeah. not you don't have to invent like man what do i got how do i gotta radically reorient my life to to meet unbelievers no you just got to be intentional about it find stuff that you like to do and do it with them they're out there no, yeah. po- no podcast is complete without the uh, Pastor Chris criticism of camping. We yeah. appreciate that. Well, <laughs> Pastor, <laughs> Pastor anyway, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on how we live on mission here in Brownsburg? Well, I think our greatest or one of our greatest symbols of comfort is our homes and that they kind of become this refuge that we don't, we don't come out of. This is our, my little space. You know, I'll be on mission anywhere else, but God, this is my little area just to be comfortable and if we sacrifice that and say, no, I'm going to open my home and I'm going to allow people in, um, that that really you're going to begin to see the miraculous work of God in people's lives. Um, you know, and investing in our neighbors, the people who live around us, that's really hard work. That's very frontline work, especially in a suburban context where people aren't as willing to hang out uh, you know, at the end of the driveway. They're rushing into their comfort zone of their home. So kind of looking for those opportunities where, you know, um, one of the things that I've tried to do is as I'm driving by, if I see a neighbor out before, I would just kind of wave at them through, you know, the, the, from the car. Now what I've been doing is just stopping and rolling down the window and talking to them, even if it's just 30 seconds. Um, and what I've seen over a couple of times is now the neighbor's coming to the door, you know, and then we're, we're kind of having a little bit of chit-chat. Um, and then now they're getting ready to come over for dinner, and they're going to help us host a neighborhood block party in, in, on Memorial Day. Like, it kind of just grows upon itself, and you just got to look for those little moments of, sacrificing the comfort to reach out to people. Yeah, and your seasons help too. When spring yeah. starts warming up, people are more outside, you mm-hmm. can go walks, if you got a dog, and then dogs are like magnets for people. Or yeah, a cute know. baby with chubby yeah. cheeks. Yep, you got one of those. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it just, it, it helps when it warms up. You can get out, you can socialize, meet people more. It's, yeah. you got to be very intentional during wintertime to, to, to meet people. 
Yeah, pets and children are kind of easy ways to get to know people there. But just going for um, a walk. Just get out of the house. Yeah, but if you want more practical looks at what that can actually look like, I would recommend Rosaria Butterfield's book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Um, it's on how we can use um, our homes as a tool, a weapon for the gospel. That book is The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield. Uh, I think you'll find it very helpful. We do hope this conversation has been helpful for all of you. You can always reach out to one of the pastors if you have any further questions, or always at the end of the sermon, you can text in those questions. You have been listening to You Asked.